Tennessee Wildcast is live on the air with the latest on hunting, fishing, boating, and all things outdoors. Make welcome your host, drummer and outdoor expert novice, Jason Harmon. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Tennessee Wildcast. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, it's going to be a great show today. We're excited. We have uh, Mr. Michael Neal. He's a professional bass angler with us today. Michael, how's it going? Oh, it's pretty good. I'm excited to be here. Glad to have you. And uh, we have Mr. Frank Fiss. He's our chief of fisheries here at the Tennessee Wildlife Resources Agency. Frank, thanks for being with us. Hey, Jason. Uh, glad you're here and uh, looking forward to having both of you. Uh, a lot of knowledge right here at the table. And we're going to tell you about what's going on uh, in some professional uh, angling and what's going on with our aquatic nuisance species efforts and what's going on with some Asian carp. So that's going to be the the uh, main topics for today and uh, I'm just going to say this, check out our new camera angle there on uh, camera one, I like that. What do you think? See that alert sign? What's that alert sign there Frank? Uh, th that's the uh, poster that we have up at all the ramps where we have Asian carp to let people know they're there to watch out for them and don't move them as bait. Alright and we'll talk more about that today. So. Uh, don't dump your bait, don't move your bait. We got these cool cards, I'll hold it up right here. Maybe you can see that at home if you're watching. Uh, stop the spread of invasive species. We talked about this a few weeks ago with uh, David Roddy and we're gonna talk more about that today as well. So, uh, let's kick it off uh, with Michael. Uh, Michael is uh, no stranger to the agency. He's been helping us out with some public service announcements and things like that with the aquatic nuisance species efforts and um, uh, just going to get a background on Michael today and talk to him about how he got into fishing. So let's just start there. What what got you interested in the world of fishing, Michael? Uh, fishing for me is really just a, a family thing. My dad, my uncle, my grandfather, all three really heavily into it. Uh, they've all fished tournaments at some point in their life, and and that's just really what a lot of my early childhood memories are: is going out on Lake Chickamauga, uh, even in a, a small canoe. Uh, with little push button Zebco rods, Power Rangers was my favorite one at the time. There but, you go. <laughs> I mean, it was just uh, that was just something I, I really grew to enjoy, um, and just it was the one thing that I wanted to go do outdoors all the time was go fishing, whether it was in a pond, on the lake, whatever it may be. That was what I had my mindset on was just going fishing. What body of water did you grow up fishing on? Chickamauga, Chickamauga. was uh, where 90% of my time was spent. I traveled around, fished some Watts Bar, Gunnersville. Uh, a little bit of Nickajack, things like that, but it's mostly Chickamauga. So you've seen the the impact and the increase on the uh, the way the the Florida bass have, have uh, flourished there, and the, and the way the fisheries improved there. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's uh, it's been great. Uh, the fisheries department at TWRA has done a great job there introducing the Florida strain bass. There's been uh, several tournaments where they've came and actually done fin clip samples of the fish, and pretty much any fish over eight pounds that they've taken the clippings off of has had that Florida strain gene in them. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you there's no other way to to not attribute it to TWRA and their efforts in the lake to make it what it is today. Frank, I know this probably isn't in our notes today, but uh, <coughs> what all's going on out there at Chickamauga right now, if anything? What? Well, well we're still stocking Chickamauga with Floridas, and we're in a we, – we, we don't need to monitor the genetics every year, but we, we do hit it every few years to see what progress it's making and, and, and how much Florida bass is in the population. We're real interested in, in Chickamauga because we've got several other lakes that we've just rec more recently started stocking. So we think Chickamauga is going to be kind of a, a blueprint for what we can expect in those other lakes. So we're, we're watching the the we're watching what's happening on Chickamauga to inform what's happening on the other lakes as right. well. Right. Awesome. So, so we're uh, still in it. It's even though we haven't uh, 
we haven't been talking about it in a while. We're still working on it. Oh, yeah. Well, we're always working on trying to make fishing better for you uh, folks at home and uh, sportsmen and fishermen of Tennessee. So we want to make it as best we can. Um, so you talked about your mentorship, Michael, and, and some of the folks that got you introduced into that. Um, you're on tour now. You've uh, you've uh, made it to the big big leagues, I guess you could say. You said you're with the Major League Fishing Tour now. Tell us about that. Yeah, I fished the FLW Tour for the past uh, seven years, and this year, MLF, Major League Fishing, it's been on TV for a few years now. They've always been really big on conservation. They catch, weigh, and release the fish right there on the boats. There's no riding the fish around in a live well all day, trying to keep the water temperatures cool, the oxygen level's good for the fish. So now they introduced a new tour that's the Bass Pro Tour, and what this did is it took 80 of the best anglers in the country. It took guys from the FLW Tour, from the Bassmaster Elites, and brought them all together under this one umbrella, the Bass Pro Tour. And it's going to be a, a really big hit for these guys. I mean, it's, it's something that, I, I, as you can tell, I'm here with TWRA and the ANS stuff. I'm passionate about the conservation. The more fish that we can weigh on the boat and release them right there, the, the better shape the fishery is going to be. And then if we bring them to the scales and ride around in the boat all day. How cool is it to be considered uh, one of those select few that got uh, a chance to move over to that league? Oh, it was definitely an honor. I mean, it, there was a lot of rumors going around for a couple months who was going to get invited, who wasn't. And uh, when I finally got the phone call, I was I was really honored to be there. And uh, I'm really excited to get this thing started in 2019. Well, we 100% appreciate your efforts uh, on the conservation side and helping protect our waters and, and, and helping us get the word out through uh, – through the ability, uh, through the major fishing leagues and that sort of thing, and and being a spokesperson for us and for fishing in general, and um, tell us a little bit about what you've been doing. Um, I know you've done some PSAs with us a few years ago, and we're going to be doing some more of those, and you can find those on our Facebook page and and YouTube and TWRA TV stuff like that. But you've been working with our high school fishing clubs, and uh, and you do a lot of advertising in your store. Tell us about some of that. Yeah, I've gone with uh, the fisheries guys from back home. We've gone to a few high schools. we got some more slated up here before too long. And it's just, to me, that's somewhere that I was 10 years ago. I'm just 27, so I'm not that far out of high school and college. And the high school and college fishing has just really exploded. And in that, these guys are the ones that are going traveling to these lakes that may have some of these other aquatic nuisance species that we don't have at Chickamauga or whatever their home lake may be. And if we can go out there and educate these guys, these guys are the future of fishing. They're the future of the outdoors. So if we can keep them in the right mindset and where they can go out and in turn help educate people as well, that's something that I'm really passionate about. And I'd like to see their kids be able to do the same things that we enjoy doing now. And uh, besides that, I mean, I've got the, the graphics on my truck, boat, and jersey, and all that stuff. But at the store, I've got a, a retail tackle shop on Lake Chickamauga, Dayton Boat Dock. And I've got a big banner that hanging up over the top of my cash register. It just says, Stop Aquatic Hitchhikers. Mm -hmm. And it draws a lot of attention. A lot of guys are seeing the ANS stuff all over the state of Tennessee, as well as other states all across the country. We go to these boat ramps especially up in the northern lakes, and they've got the signs pretty similar to what uh, Frank brought up a minute ago. And it's just something that a lot of guys have a lot of questions about. They may not understand everything about it. And just for me to be able to do that and interact with these people just makes it that much better. Have you been involved with any of the little classes that they put on for those high school clubs? I know uh, David and, uh, and as you, uh, you may have seen the picture there, Perry. Oh, actually, you had not seen it yet. Let's move forward a little bit. Perry and uh, Brandon. And Mike and those guys out of Region 3, they 
help put on classes and and they hide these aquatic nuisance species you know on the boats and stuff and say can you check off the list yep i've uh, i've done that with them at a couple of places and uh it's just great seeing the kids get out there and they all seem to be really enthusiastic about it that's that's something that i think uh you can just attribute to the high school fishing is it's getting more and more of these kids involved and if they're not involved, then it's just going to be a dying out thing. So it's definitely got the support growing in the right direction. These classes these guys do, I'm fortunate to be a part of, and I look forward to going and doing some more soon. And we were talking before the show, uh, you know, these kids growing up now, they're growing up seeing Asian carp, and they're growing up seeing zebra mussels and these aquatic nuisance vegetation, and they just think maybe it's it's supposed to be there. But we grew up, me and you and Frank and everybody in this room grew up not seeing these things, so it's not – something normal for us and we're trying to stop it but these guys may not know the difference and this education is very important right and i mean it's something uh, the asian carpet kentucky for example the kids growing up on that lake now won't remember the days five ten years ago when kentucky was one of the hottest lakes in the country so and that's the thing about all this is it's it's man-made most of it is it's something that we've done to create so if we can educate the people to keep from further uh having these issues or figuring out how to at least slow them down a little bit that's just all the more better to hopefully not impact any other more places than we have to yeah well frank let's let's talk a little bit more about the asian carp and, and some of the things since we've kind of transitioned to that point uh, uh what are we doing to help educate and uh, let the public know that we're we're out there trying to work for them yeah i mean the the, the asian carp is really a national problem and a, a lot of the work that we do is is coordinating nationally with uh, and, and and more immediately with surrounding states that, that share the tennessee valley for example or mississippi river right kentucky uh, we work closely we with work them. closely with kentucky alabama uh, and mississippi uh you know to protect the upper tennessee river system you know we're, we're gonna rely heavily on alabama to to for, for them to be able to stop carp as, as well as and do the things that we're trying to do in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, some of the things that we're doing, you know, it's the, the really basic thing is to make sure that nobody accidentally moves a live Asian carp upstream. That would be really detrimental and and just totally avoidable. You know, there's other ways these fish are moving that we can't really stop today, but we know we can stop that action. And the recent regulations that we passed you know, limit people from moving carp out of places where we know there have been small carp that would likely be confused as bait. So that, that's why we are effective March 1st. You're not going to be able to take uh, live shad or, or, or herring away from uh, Kentucky Lake, Pickwick, and Barkley, and Points West. Okay. So that, that's just one thing. The, the, you know, the other thing that we're doing is monitoring these fish to understand more about them. I mean, we we, we, we know a lot about how bass uh, populations work in Tennessee, crappie and all that. And we need to know everything about these carp, too, so we can be more effective in controlling them. And w- one of the things that we're seeing is that if you, if you, if you can't harvest a lot of these fish, the, the probability of, of fish from that same population moving upstream decreases because there's fewer of them. Mm-hmm. And following that, that, that uh, mindset, you know, that's – that's where the states of Tennessee and Kentucky have really worked hard on Kentucky and Barkley Lakes to remove fish. And it's not that we're out there doing it, but we're doing everything we can to encourage commercial fishing to do more of it. And, and the, the increase in commercial fishing uh, uh, activity and the markets that they're developing have been really encouraging. We, we're talking about taking millions of pounds out a year where years ago we were talking about you know, tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands. Wow. So, it, you know, we, that combined with uh, 
with some barrier work that we want to do, we, we think we can, that, that is the, that is the, that's the mindset we're in is, you know, keep the numbers low and then get some barriers in at strategic locations. Is there, is there a demand for that, those fish uh, to be used in other markets? Yeah. The, you know, the, the value of these, the markets that have been developed, as I was saying, there's always a market, but you know, we want to have a valued market where it's worthwhile for people to go catch the fish. Right. So there's a few, there's a food market for like uh, fish cakes and stuff like that. There's also a market that's developing for bait for these uh, like uh, like lobster pots and snow crab kind of things where mm-hmm. there's they pay pretty high dollar for quality bait because they're they're going to get a good price for their product. Right. So and and things like that have been have been more uh, I'm hearing more buzz about that more interest in investment in these things. So so that's pretty that's pretty helpful. The the barriers are another part though. I mean we've got. The Fish and Wildlife Service is bringing in a, a, a sound barrier to Barkley. It was supposed to come in and it's supposed to be testing now, but it's not here yet. They mm-hmm. had to re-engineer the thing to be able to withstand a hit from a barge that might be dragging a, uh, a, a day marker or something. They realized that there's a lot of stuff that would be drug along the bottom of the, of the canal. Wow. So they had a, like an armor of this thing. So that's, they had to re-engineer it. That's supposed to go in in this spring. So the hope is that we would have uh, an opportunity to deploy that that it's successful first of all, and we we think we hope it will be. We mm-hmm. think it will be, and then we would deploy, find funding to to get more of these, and put them on the upstream ends of 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 a uh, Tennessee River. So something like Gunnersville, Nickajack, probably both to have some redundancy, to protect the upstream waters that don't have silver carp, for example. Right. Okay. And then. Um, and, and further, the the immigration rate that it's the fish that just keep coming in the, the Kentucky Bark at uh, Kentucky and Barkley dams are going to be a continuing problem. So we would like to have barriers there as well. And there's some other issues with the ten ton waterway that we'd like to address too. But yeah. so there, there's a lot of need for funding for barriers when, once we understand what we can do with them. In the meantime, the only tool we have is to prevent their, the the movement of these fish and to do everything we can to encourage them to get fish down. Mm-hmm. So, if, and we, we've said this multiple times, but if somebody catches one, what do they need to do with it? Well, if you if you catch a, a an Asian carp in West Tennessee, we, we probably know about what's going on there. It's probably not new information to us. But if you catch small Asian carp, I'm, I'm talking fish under 10 inches out of a Kentucky or Barkley Lake uh, or anywhere upstream in those systems, we want to know about it soon and we want we'd like to have a picture if you can put it in your freezer until we can come get it we would do that right because as soon as we find out that those small fish are there we need to double down on our efforts to make sure we have all the signs up so people are aware that they're there and that they don't move bait and and really if we uh you know we, we would not only have the signage we probably have more media you know psas and stuff like that so but, but there's no sense in in doing that work putting the resources into that and maybe uh, crying wolf until we, we have that problem. So we're really hoping the public will. Uh, we have our own sampling that's going on, but it's not it's not unlikely that a, a fisherman might be the first person to encounter a small fish. And this and if they want to report these, is, is the ans.twra at tn.gov that the best way to do it? it that is. That's our our one stop shopping for all uh, invasive species. But we're we're monitoring that. And that will that will greatly help us. And we'll and get the word out to the regional office that needs to. Re- Respond. We had a resp- uh, right. we had a call last week or a couple weeks ago about you know possibly seeing fish at one of the reservoirs, and we went and checked it out. 
it wasn't a it wasn't a problem. It was shad or something. So we, we are responding. We're not just you know logging it. We're we're right. very eager to get out and and, and re review what's going Do on. Do you encourage there. the fishermen to uh, to uh, dispose of that fish if they catch what if they catch a big Asian carp? Do we want them to no, don't put it back right? <laughs> well, it, you know, there's no sense in putting it back alive. Um, and really, if you're into eating fish, you may as well take it home that's and, and take the easy meat off it and freeze it because yeah. it's very good eating yeah that's uh that's one thing we've had an opportunity to to sample and, and some yep. of the guys in the fisheries crew they they whip some up for uh some some folks and let them just taste it and see how good it actually can be and and it's not that bad a taste of fish so um let's talk a little bit about the 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 uh asian carp harvest incentive program i was trying to think a chip is what we yeah, what we call Asian it. carp. Uh, yeah, harvest incentive. We we're going to call it the incentive program. We didn't want to make people think that we were incentivizing carp. It's yeah. a har- incentivizing the harvest of carp. Right. So th- this is one of the ways that we're working with the commercial industry to to make sure that people, more people, are harvesting carp and make it attractive as compared to fishing for maybe buffalo or catfish. So w- w- what uh, under this program w- we we have a half million dollars set aside to pay an extra seven cents per pound to the fisherman that brings in carp. And we actually give three cents a pound to the, to the buyer as well so that they can expand their business and handle our paperwork and such. But they, you know, that, that has a setup to take out over 2 million pounds of fish with the, uh, with the 200,000, uh, a, a year. Okay. Part right. Did that math right? Yeah. And then the, uh, the other 50,000 we're putting into buying gill nets to give to commercial fishermen that sign up for the program through these contractors. So we're, we're giving the fishermen not only the seven cents a pound, but we're, we're going to, as well supplies last kind of thing, we're, we're giving them the netting material they need to uh, catch the carp. And if I missed it, them, just correct me, but is this for all fishermen or just commercial fishermen? It's only for commercial fishermen. Okay. You still have to have a commercial license. And only those commercial fishermen that sign up with one of the contractors okay. so it's not you can't just show up one day and be part of the program you've gotcha. got to let us know you're involved and and there's still plenty of room for that we even have a slot available for a contractor yet that we have two contractors approved and we've got room for one more so that's uh we we didn't know how many we'd have so we set it up for three and we've got two right now we're happy to have the two that we have mm-hmm. cool. so that's uh so that that program will go on for at least two years and uh we're we're hopeful that it'll take out it'll you know, it, it, trying to give these industries some stability is, is what it's all about as they as they have these early years of working with carp. So that's mm-hmm. what we're trying to do. Um, tell us a little bit about, um, well, Michael, let's, go, let's jump to you. Um, have you ever uh, ran into Asian carp on tour? Have you ever been fishing the tour and, and see these fish? And have they ever affected your tournament fishing? Yeah, I fished uh, two tournaments at Kentucky and Barkley Lakes this year, and it's – for somebody that's never been there, there's really not a way to describe it. I mean, I was there in 2016, and I think 15 the year before that, and they were there and present, but just the amount that they have exploded in the last two years is just phenomenal to me. And I really think if you could take steps across the water and not disturb them, I don't know at Kentucky Lake, if you could have walked from one dam to the other and not physically laid eyes on fish. Mm. Any place you go graph, any place you pull up and fish, you look in the water and they're constantly swimming around your boat. It's just it's just crazy how many are there, and it's it's really impacting um, everything about the lake. I mean, a lot of pleasure boaters are, are not wanting to go out for fear of getting 
having them jump up behind the motor and hit the hit somebody on a ski or wakeboard or whatever so i mean those those places have got a bunch of them and they they repopulate very very quickly yeah oh and and you may have mentioned this before but it doesn't hurt to to reiterate what why are you so passionate about helping us out it's just something that that i was introduced to at a young age and and i don't want this to be a, a thing that dies out as time goes on i mean you see a lot of pastimes a lot of sports and things like that kind of kind of lose their steam and especially now in the technology era that we're in i'd like to see more of these kids get involved in the outdoors and to have something to go do besides sit at home behind the tv or computer or playstation or whatever it may be just like i had the opportunity to so that's something that i'm looking forward to is just being able to get to more kids uh maybe get chances to take some more fishing and uh things like that cool all right um you, you, earlier before the show you were telling me about a, a buddy of yours that had, had uh and helped fill me in here he was catching some fish and he uh asian carp and you said that there should be. A, you think there'd be a pretty good market for him? Yeah, uh, Tom Monsoor. He's fished the FLW Tour for several years. Uh, won a tournament last year at, uh, I believe, the Potomac River um, on tour. And and he really believes that if they can get the prices up, like what TWRA and other agencies are really trying to do, that the commercial fishermen can really make an impact on them. So this is uh, this is not something to be taken lightly. I mean, it's not something to be just oh well, they're just trying to throw something at it. They, TWRA is really making a stand, trying to progress into this problem and figure out ways to take it on. I mean, that's just one commercial fisherman that I've had conversations with, but he's a really big com uh, commercial fisherman from Wisconsin. He's done it all his life, and uh, he's somebody that I would definitely think knows what they're talking about. So if he says it can be done, uh, I really believe TWRA is taking the right direction here. Cool. Awesome. Well, always remember our website, tnwildlife.org. Um, we've got a lot of information out there on Asian carp and, and other aquatic nuisance species efforts. So um, visit our website, and um, that's a great place to stay up to date. And this um, don't spread uh, or don't dump your bait, save the lake, and don't spread the age, the invasive uh, invasive species. Uh, little card that we've got is on our website. Remember, ans.twra at tn.gov is the best way to um, to advertise or to uh, contact us if you've uh, caught a fish or uh, find a fish, and we want to know about it. So take a picture of it, let us know, just like Frank was saying earlier. Yeah. And what's really cool about the back of this card, it shows you the difference between common bait and invasive carp and um, how easily it is to get them confused, uh, especially in a big net full of them you know yeah. if you're casting well, well, well hopefully the card doesn't confuse you if it, no if it has them all here and, and no tells the you card doesn't <laughs> but it shows how easy it can it could be. be easy yeah. yeah if you don't have the card it's really you know it's confusing so anyway um but yeah if you get pictures of the fish that's great um you know we don't we really need we need bodies we need the fish pictures you know pictures of what you know we, we saw a lot of side scan imagery that that's you know that's not what we're looking for here because there's a lot of shad and things that would be really similar when we're, we're most focused on them small fish. If anyone sees bigger carp in East Tennessee, definitely we want to know about it too. So right. We're just... um, well, let's, let's uh, on a lighter note, let's move to uh, just some general fishing. Frank, I know you're, you're a big fisherman, uh, fished all your life and uh, know a lot about it, but uh, tell us what, what you like to fish for this time of year. We got we got the pro here. You're asking well, me. Well, yeah, well, we'll get to him. <laughs> He's gonna make sure you're right. No, I, I haven't. I, I usually would be uh, trout fishing on the Caney this time of year. Uh, kind of my stream fishing is winding down. It's getting cold. 
really this time of year I slow down a little bit, get catch up on honeydews at the house. Yeah. And uh, I haven't been. I've been 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 swamped. I've been swamped with some other stuff lately. Yeah. You know, we're coming off our season setting process and things finally come. Yeah, fill folks in on that. When when will the new guide be out? The new guide will be out. Well, it'll be the, everything will be effective March first, so hopefully the guide will be out sometime in in February, and and it will. Uh, so yeah. But, uh, so those regulations that were voted on the commission yep. and everything that's uh, all set in stone, and that'll be printed out, printed and be available. That's right. By the start of the season, March first. So, Michael, what are you fishing for this time of year? Typically, um, I still like to bass fish a lot, but I, I actually don't have a boat. I get a different boat every year, and I've already sold it, so I don't not exactly sure when my new one will be in. But oh, he's grounded. Uh, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Frank needs a fishing uh, partner. So yeah. if anybody wants to wants to go fishing, hit me up. Yeah. Um, but no, uh, I really enjoy a little bit of time off. I mean, it's pa- fishing is still my passion. It's what I'd rather do than anything else. But at the end of the day, it kind of turns into a job. So you want a little bit of time there at the end of the year to kind of sit back and not think about fishing so much. But when I when I do get my boat, I, I like to crappie fish quite a bit in the wintertime. Uh, it's just something that I don't know why, just being able to go out and catch a fish under a float just really tickles me. Uh, light line, four-pound line. Yeah. They feel like eight-pound bass. So uh, it's just a good time. I'll, I'll throw a little bit of crappie fishing and bass fishing at them this winter. Um, I hope Chickamauga's... It's, the water temperature needs to cool off still some, but uh, it'll be good for all species this year. Awesome. Um, well, tell us a little bit about your store, again, if we haven't already mentioned it. Uh, if you want to stop by and see you, uh, you're in Dayton. Is that yeah. Right? yeah. Mo- most of the time when I'm home, it's right there um, at Richland Creek at Dayton Boat Dock where all the major tournaments go out of, uh, BFL Regionals, FLW Tour events, Bass Elite had an event there. Um, several big bass tournaments. It's a it's a great place. Great ramp uh, holds a lot of boats. I've got a little tackle shop and uh, short order restaurant in there as well. So you can come by and get breakfast or lunch. And I've also expanded the store for the fishing side online as well. And it's okay, uh, cool. realdealtackle.com. So that's something that's uh, going to take a little bit of my winter this year is to to keep the site up to date and get make some changes. It's already launched, but. Uh, make some changes to it, add some more pictures, add some inventory, things like that. So uh, going to take a lot of time this year at the store and try and get things set up the right yeah. way. A lot of uh, bank fishing access right there, too, around your place. There is for sure. Uh, it's unbelievable the amount of big fish come off of the, the dock and around the bank mm-hmm. there. It's, I mean, it's, it seems like every day somebody's catching a five, six to eight pounder. I mean, even as big as there's been some tens weighed in on the bank on a set of hand scales in the spring. So just the other day, uh, the the woman that manages the restaurant for me, her son caught one that weighed uh, over six, just standing wow. down there on the dock on a jig and just having a good time. I caught the biggest fish I ever caught uh, on a bank there on Percy Priest here in Nashville. Uh, I was in college and went fishing for a few hours and and uh, drug one out from under a, a little fishing pier. So uh, they're everywhere. Um, Frank, Michael, thank you all for being with us today. Appreciate uh, your input and uh, your thoughts on all this. And, uh, Michael, thanks for everything you're doing for the agency and for Asian carp and aquatic nuisance species in general, just all the efforts you're uh, taking to help us out. So really appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thank you. I'm happy to support it. And, uh, Frank, yeah. thank you for being with us. Go ahead. Yeah, thanks, Michael. We really appreciate your, your help on all that. It's good to get a, an angler's face there in front of a lot of this. People really respect your experience in it. So it, it makes it makes it it's a little more than just us saying it so exactly it's very helpful that's right all right well this is uh this edition of tennessee wildcast uh, we appreciate y'all tuning in and and uh watching and listening 
And we'll see you next time. Remember, tnwildlife.org is a great place to find everything you need to find about Tennessee wildlife. So we'll see you all next time. Thanks for tuning in. Stay connected with TWRA by visiting our website at tnwildlife.org. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Hey, it's all about Tennessee wildlife. It's what we do. Tennessee Wildcast will be on the air again next week. We'll see you then.